Lord, you are good. And uh, I saw someone post recently about how we like to begin prayers thanking you for things. Um, But right now in this room, as we begin recording a podcast, we just declare you king. We declare you Lord over our lives. And we pray that you would guide this conversation. Uh, would Would it be enlightening to us? Would it be educating to us here in this room? Uh, let alone anybody who's going to be listening to it. But Lord, would we learn something from you today uh, from this conversation that we're going to have together? Lord, thank you for Tato. Uh, Thank you for Morgan and Aaron and their hearts for wanting to um, help people learn about discipleship and help people advance in their faith and just um, learn more about you and what it means to live a life of worship for you. So God, personally, I just pray that you would use me in some way today would guide our words and help us to have clarity of mind and purity of heart. We love you and pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, this is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson. Hello, this is your host. My name is Aaron. And this is Morgan. We have a super exciting episode for you. Uh, Our friend Tommy Neiman is here in the studio as we talk about uh, worship and kind of explore that idea a little bit. Tommy even brought his guitar with us, so make sure that you stay on uh, the entire time to catch that towards the end of the episode. Uh, We're super excited to have him here, really excited to kind of expand this community. Uh, Morgan and I always talk about how this whole thing is not just about the two of us. We want to invite everyone to the table, and so cool to be able to live that out a little bit today. Uh, we realize we talk about a lot of things on this podcast, and uh, and we want to be able to have conversation um, with you about that. So if you want to stay connected with us, feel free to send us an email at truediscipleship2021 at gmail.com or follow us online at Instagram and Facebook at True Discipleship Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really excited to be here. I just feel busy. Mm. Life is really busy right now. Uh, so you know that we're under contract on a house. What? (laughs) Surprise, I bought us a house. Yeah, so for our listeners, just like a life update, we're under contract on a house and it's scary. This is the first house we've ever bought. It's stressful, but we've prayed for this house. We've prayed for the opportunity to have somewhere where we can invite people in and feed them because I think that is a way to show people Jesus is bring them in, feed them good food and tell them how much God loves them. Yeah, I heard somebody say earlier today the the kingdom of God is uh, expanded around a dining room table, <laughs> and I love that. That is something I'm totally down for. And that's what our podcast is modeled yeah. after: sitting around a dining room table. So we really love food, and we really love Jesus. And I'm really excited to get to love people in our home with food. We have to buy more chairs for our dining room table. Hey, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> Yep. Uh, this journey has been super, super exciting. Like you said, it's been busy and there's been a lot of uh, up and down and trying to make stuff happen in the meantime, but it's just been good. And just so thankful for all the support we continue to get. We've broken 500 followers on Instagram. Yes. And, uh, there's people constantly asking how things are going and saying how much they enjoy it. And so we're super grateful for that. I think we're going to do uh, a giveaway soon, soon. I think once we break a thousand, 
on Instagram. That'll be reason to celebrate. We have reason, all 500 of you so far. Thank you. You've given us reason to celebrate, but we're going we're gonna to do that again once we hit uh, 1,000. If each person that follows us shares our profile with one person, we can double our following because that's, that's how math works. That's it. Then get more followers. <laughs> Just share it with one person. <laughs> probably what Jesus meant. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, well, yeah, we are super excited. <laughs> Just like almost gave myself a concussion with the microphone. Super excited to uh, introduce a friend of ours, Mr. Tommy Neiman. Tommy, how are you, man? I am doing well. Really thankful that you brought pizza to this. <laughs> it's a dining room table. Yeah. We, we say that, uh, and usually we don't have um, we don't have food around. Are you but, living it out today? Yeah, that's yeah. it. We have to. You got to put on a good face for you. But uh, yeah, man, you're the first guest that we've had on this podcast. Honored. Super, super grateful to have you here. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah, man. We we haven't talked about this a ton, um, but you're just a guy who I respect a ton. Um, we met how long ago? It was beginning of 2019. That sounds about right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we were both working at the Improv. That's right. The comedy club in Morrisville, yeah. North Carolina. Man, good times, right? It was, it was fun times <laughs> it for was sure. Fun. Yeah, it, that was honestly one of the most fun jobs. That I, had. I am right there with you, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. but we, we got to meet each other at the Improv. Um, connected a little bit there. Like We would chat every now and then, but yeah. never got like super close. And I think one day I showed up to work and you were there. And I'm pretty sure it was like a staff meeting. And they were like, we have someone new here to lead worship. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I know that guy. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. That uh, sounds right. Yeah. For yeah. the sake of people listening to the conversation, you were at one work and then you guys showed up to right. another work. Yes. yes that now is right. we work at Hope Community Church. Right. I'm one of the worship leaders on staff. Yeah. 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 So how did you initially get into worship leading as a career <laughs> we're gonna talk about you know just kind of the nuances of that and like what is you know um i guess organized worship look like and all that other stuff but but as far as like getting into worship doing it full time maybe pursuing a calling what does that look like for you bro i wish it was that spiritual <laughs> uh so i i've grown up playing music but when i became a christian at 16 I was just kind of shoved into a guitarist role at the church that I was attending at the time. From that point forward, it was as if I was just being plopped into different roles as a musician or as a singer. Um, really, all my life, I just struggled singing in front of people because in fifth grade, I was told I sounded like a girl. Still kind of do. Um, but uh, And then it wasn't until my junior year of high school that I decided to start singing in front of people again. And then when I went to college at Southeastern uh, Seminary in Wake Forest, the college at Southeastern Seminary, there's a worship leader there. His name is Matt Papa, who I look up to a ton. He has just some of the most authentic, real um, music that I think I've ever heard a worship leader write. And first time I ever saw him lead worship at chapel, I, I that was when I was really like, okay, yeah, this worship leader thing, I think there's something to this. I think I'm going to keep going with it. But I don't want to just be one of those worship leaders who just is a cover artist. You know, when I lead worship, I want to I want to engage people with the songs that, that, that we're singing. If there's something about the songs that I think people should really grasp a little more, I want to dig into that. I don't want to just up, be up there singing songs. So you, if you've seen me lead worship at Hope, you know that I might talk a little more than the other worship leaders. And there's there's a reason for that. I don't think that it should simply just be us singing songs together, but there should be something we pull from these songs. In fact, Matt Papa once said, uh, songs are sermons people remember, and that's not like any knock on preachers, 
But if you think about it, songs are put to melody. Yeah. And so that's good. a lot easier to remember a five sec five minute song than it is a forty five minute sermon. Yeah. Anyway, I came to that realization after hearing Matt lead worship and I grew up listening to guys like Rich Mullins and their stuff was just so real and raw and I wanted to contribute to that. Yeah. I love that. That's actually one of the things that I notice a ton about you. Um, we'll sit in staff meeting or in a service or whatever, and you'll step up to lead and I'll lean over to somebody like, oh, Tommy's about to start preaching. Oh, <laughs> but I love it, dude, because you do. You you. It's so easy to fall into this trap of like, oh, we're worshiping, we're singing these songs, and then you just like, I don't know if you're anything like me, you know, one song ends and you're like, oh, I wonder what the next one's going to be. And then it starts and then you you kind of fall into this default rhythm of, oh, well, I know this melody, I know the words, and you go into singing it without thinking about it. Exactly. But to take that moment to pause and actually reflect on what it is you're saying is huge, and to invite people into that, which I love that you do. And so uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. You hit on specifically the idea of authenticity in worship. But uh, Morgan, do you want to set up um, what we're going to be chatting about today? Worship. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. So we, I think we quickly narrow worship down into just musical worship and just singing. Uh, And it's more than that. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that there are more ways to worship than just singing in a church along with your worship leader who may or may not have explained what you're singing about. I guess I don't want to spoil any other conversation, so I'm not uh, going to say more. Yeah, let's just go ahead and... Let's talk about all the ways we can worship. Love it. Let's get into it. So, worship. Uh, I feel like we start a lot of these episodes off by looking at what is, whatever topic we're talking about, what does the Bible say about it? Because that's... I'm not going to say usually it is the best place to start and the right place to start off with. But I just want to ask around the table, when you think of worship, um, maybe not now, but at some point in your life, what did you think of worship as? Morgan, you want to start us off? Sure. So before, if you had asked me what I thought worship was, I would have strictly imagined me in a sanctuary singing along to a song. Um overthinking if my hand should be in the air or by my side or if I should clap. Like I spend way too much time to this day wondering, should my hands be in the air? Like, should the spirit put them in the air or me? So if you see me ever like at church. Waiting to be possessed. That's what you do. <laughs> it's you just me. Try, and then I end up doing some middle ground, like lukewarm. I'm kind of raising my hands, but not really. That's what's going through my head during worship. So yeah, for a long time, it was strictly musical worship. But now that definition is definitely evolving as I learn more about just my relationship with Jesus and how worship is a response to the sacrifice that God has made for me. Love that. Tommy, what about you? Yeah. So similar along to the lines, along the lines of what Morgan was saying. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm a singer, so I think of it in that way. And then I would also tend to thinking of the physical, whatever representation of worship, lifting hands, closing eyes, you know, bowing my head, like making sure that my facial expression matched the vibe of the song. It's like 
This is a lament, so I should be sorrowful. We're singing a Phil Wickham tune, so we need to be really happy when we <laughs> sing this song. Clapping my hands, like all that stuff. It's like uh, it never. My gen, uh, my definition of worship never reached beyond the weekend experience. Yeah, mine was the exact same way. So I was working with a middle school ministry at a church in New Orleans, and the guy that I was working with at the time, he came to me and he was like, we're going to take worship out of the weekend experience just for a while, because it honestly, the, the musical worship portion of our services had gotten really stale. It was like kids just showed up and then they're like, yeah, we're going to sing some songs and then we're going to sit down and that's going to be the end of it. And he was doing it as a way to get them to miss it almost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but you can't like until this point, I don't think I had ever been in a church service where we didn't have time of musical worship. So for me, it was like this glaring gap of like, you can't do that. You know, that's like, I'll never forget the first time when I was a kid and I went to the movie with my cousin and he like just walked straight into the movie theater without stopping to buy snacks first. That's what I felt like when he's like, we're not going to do musical worship anymore. And I remember I was like, you can't, you can't get rid of worship from the service time. That's horrible. And he was like, well, you can worship without music. And it was like, I had never, literally that thought had never even crossed my mind before. And it made sense as soon as he said it, but I never thought about it, anything outside or, or other than that. That's really good. I mean, like we turned it into this thing where music is the, the musical worship we experience on the weekend is like the attractional thing. It's the thing that gets hearts prepared for, for the message, right? We've relegated worship to that even, I would say. Yeah. So so it's really cool that he did that gutsy. Yeah, it definitely was. Because I went to a church in LA where they only did worship at the end of the service. And the reason why is because the church was mostly people who don't normally go to church. So for them to go in and just do group karaoke was really weird to a lot of people. But for them to do it at the end, by the message should actually prepare their hearts for this other portion of the service, which exactly. was just this whole crazy, you know, I guess now you're getting more philosophical with the idea of what worship looks like in, you know, programmatic services and stuff like that. But it was just a really, really cool thing that I, I really enjoyed. So uh, I, I think that when we when we start to switch the perspective from what do you think worship is or how do you relate to it a little bit to what it is biblically, um, the first verse that comes to mind for me is Romans 12.1. Up until this point, Paul is just, uh, he's given the gospel. He's just explaining all that God has done for us and how that changes things in our lives and how that produces new things in our lives. And he uh, starts off Romans 12, 1 by saying, and so, which if you've been around church for a while, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, whenever you see an and or therefore or something like that, you need to go back and uh, <laughs> I love the way. Get that the, context. The cheesy, uh, what's the therefore, therefore, you know, it's like, what were they talking <laughs> oh, about before man. that? Like the whole so, God likes big butts thing. Yep. <laughs> but God. Yep. <laughs> uh, so everything before this is talking about the gospel, how God has changed us and transformed us through the gospel. And now he's saying this is actually our response to it. Uh, Romans 12, 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. And then check this out. This is truly the way to worship him. So how does just that idea, how does that verse in general kind of uh, reframe our idea of, of what worship looks like? Let me ask you this way. Have you ever thought about worship as sacrifice prior to maybe hearing it laid out this way? Well, so, I mean, so you touch on something really cool there. Um, 
worship as a response to what God has done. And you used like the word right there, gospel. Like we to to give ourselves a reason to worship, we need not look any further than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need not look any further than the empty cross, the empty tomb, and the risen Savior in Jesus. First of all, so to touch on your what you when you're talking about sacrifice, a uh, I heard it. I heard a quote from an old preacher named J.C. Riley, an old theologian, I guess he was, who said, um, go to the cross of Christ. You who desire to be delivered from the power of your selfishness, go to the cross of Christ and see how the Son of God gave himself for you and learn to think it a small thing to give yourself to him. Mm. So our sacrifice in light of what God has done is still such a s- small, small thing when we look at the gospel, when we look at the cross, when we look at the empty tomb, to give ourselves to God in a in a, in worship as a response to what He has done is sacrifice. But to make sure that we we try not to puff up ourselves when we think of sacrifice in response to the gospel. Yeah, that's good. That's great, and I think. The takeaway that I see in these verses is worship never stops. And when we think about worship strictly as like musical worship, there's a beginning and there's an ending and we think we can walk away from worship, Mm. but you never truly walk away from worship. Like, should I ever really stop thanking God for the sacrifice that he made? 10 minute set list at church on a Sunday (laughs) does not feel like enough to say thank you for sending your son to die on a cross. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the the things that kind of changed my view of this is when, you know, the idea of sacrifice is just that it's, this is going to cost you something. And what is that costing me? What is it costing me to do? And is it just the awkwardness of, do I raise my hands or not? Right. You know what I didn't even mention earlier? Jumping. Oh yeah, that's Man. a whole other Is that a thing you thing. do when you worship. Some people do. Oh, I, 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 I kind of you know rock on my feet to my toes. <laughs> yeah, I sway. <laughs> I sway for sure. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it wasn't this. Um, you know, the sacrifice, the the bold thing that you do is like, what is my physical posture going to be? But the first time that I think I thought about this was, uh, I think it's the stand by Hillsong. He says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. And I'm like, my arms are by my side. <laughs> and it was this moment of like, man, what am I saying versus what am I doing? And I think ever since I heard that song, or at least had that moment, that encounter with that song, I started thinking about how that one calls you to a direct action in the midst of that lyric. But then it goes into the, the heart abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. That transcends just this moment right now. I've been a part of churches where they say, you know, well, we want everybody to feel comfortable. So we're not going to ask them to do anything crazy. We're not going to ask people to lift their hands. We're not going to ask them, you know, whatever. Cause that's just kind of like ministry philosophy. We don't want anybody, like, if you don't know why you're lifting your hands, I'm not going to ask you to do it, which I respect for a whole other group of reasons. Um, but then you lead them in a song, like build my life where you say that person is literally declaring and saying, I will build my life upon your love. Yeah. It is a firm foundation. And saying that God is, that he's worthy, that Jesus is worthy. It's like, how do we display that during yeah. the song? Yeah. But, but then it's, it's, it's even the, like, I'm making, like when I, 
if I'm singing this song to God and I say, I will build my life, I'm saying that the moment I walk out those doors, even starting right now, mm-hmm. there's an action attached to what I'm doing. There's, there's something that is going to extend mm-hmm. itself outwardly from what I'm saying. And you're leading people in this melody that they love and know, and they're going to sing this song because they know this song. Stealing that next time we lead that song. By That's going to be your next, uh, <laughs> your next <laughs> preaching moment. Actually, I think we're doing that song. Nope. Like, I don't know, a few weeks from now, definitely going to say that song is different. In <laughs> fact, like songs that mention things that go beyond the worship experience. Definitely going to say that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Good it dude. is what I'll it is, you. right? <laughs> you don't, please don't. That would make it even weird. I'll bring you up on stage. Make sure Because then I'm held responsible clap. before you and God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just such a, you know, what are the declarations that you're making? And do you even make a note of the fact that you're, singing to God or you like me and you try to find the harmony and you're obsessed with that the whole time. And am I singing correctly and in tune? And what's I get the p- so excited when I can find like the harmony with somebody on Wait, stage. Did you guys sing? I mean, Should you're, we sing you're or do busted. we sing? You're like, you just said that you sing, you find the harmony. Oh, that's not what I was suggesting at all. Oh. <laughs> and I would not say, well, I did okay. chorus in middle school. Wasn't sure if I should recruit you guys. No, that's not. not. Do I want to be on the worship team? Yes. Uh-huh. Is this my formal audition? No. <laughs> do I need some training? Yes. That's amazing. But yeah, that, you know, that, that, that brings my mind to, to first Samuel, um, chapter 15. You know, the idea of, of uh, obedience being more important than sacrifice, um, that you can do the things that you can kind of in my brain, I imagine that as you just kind of go through the motions. Right. And that story, Saul offers a sacrifice that he was not supposed to offer at the time. He was supposed to wait for Samuel to get there before he did it. And he was like, no, I did it because this just seemed like the right thing to do. And I think oftentimes worship leads us to what seems like the right thing to do. Um, but really it's, it's, um, you know, the right thing to do isn't just making the right faces or lifting your hands, but it's actually living a life, upholding the declarations that you're making, um, about and to God that I think are so, so crucial. In Amos, right? In Amos five, there is, there's a little verse that talks about that. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river righteousness, like a never failing stream. Talks about, let me see how you live out this worship through your hands and your feet and the way you care about others more so than just the songs that you're singing and the songs that you're playing with these instruments. Yeah. And we talk about that all the time, right? Are you talking the talk, but not walking the walk? And then we don't think, are you, is this what marriage is that you just take the thoughts out of my head and say that? Sorry, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was literally going to say, it's like, you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. Yeah. You're singing the songs, but you're not being transformed from the inside out. So next we're going to talk about the idea of worshiping in spirit and truth. And I guess first we're going to set ourselves up to why are we even going to talk about that? Why are we going to talk about spirit and truth? And we're getting that from John chapter four. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman and I find myself identifying with the Samaritan woman in this story, not for the fact that she has five husbands. I only have one. <laughs> oh, okay. I love you, Aaron. Uh, but then she she switches gears and she asks Jesus, so tell me, why is it that you Jews 
insists that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Jared. Gerizim. Thank you. Uh, where, or Gerizim. Where our ancestors worshipped. And she's asking these like practical questions of, like, you know, I would ask this. Like, if I got to talk to Jesus, I would be like, so, why is it that, you know, there's this one place for worship? So, Jesus comes back and says, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So, I don't know. It, she comes back and says, I know the Messiah is coming. So, I guess that made sense to her. I would have looked back with a really confused look still because I don't quite know what Jesus is saying here. But Yeah, I don't know that she did either. <laughs> but, um, I mean... I- I'd like to touch on the what he said, spirit and truth. Um, specifically, nowadays, worship, I think, has become this really attractional thing in churches. I don't think it's a good thing either. Um, I think people look to worship as the thing that gets them through the doors or hooks. It's the first thing they experience as soon as they're in that worship center. And so it's like, let's make sure our songs are banging and they're like we start with that fast song then we start with this then we go into a slow song and then a really slow song and and i feel like a lot of people kind of use that as a barometer of what kind of church is this yeah too, right right no i totally agree i think that we're gonna we're gonna realize that that isn't the thing that actually attracts people about worship i would argue that the attractional thing it, it, speaking specifically in to musical worship in the in a church environment, um, I think the attractional thing we're going to see is gen- genuineness, authenticity. And so Jesus talks here about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And if we're talking, if I'm specifically talking within the context of a church uh, weekend experience, um, people are intrigued by a group of people who are actually excited to do something, passionate about worship passionate about showing god their love not just in the music but by serving others by spending time in his presence by uh i mean by getting eating meals with people like all these other things like worship and honestly being authentic with each other about our sin being authentic with each other about our shortcomings I think this is one thing. I mean, Jesus says, he says spirit and truth. So, I mean, that encompasses a lot of things. But I think that that could be a very, that's one thing we should really think about when we worship. Are we being true to who God has made us to be? Are we being true to ourselves? Are we being honest with other people about who we are? Are we allowing people into our lives authentically for them to see everything about us? The good things, the bad things. Our culture is so obsessed with making are making sure we put our best side forward. I don't know that that's what Jesus, that's not what Jesus wanted us to do. He want us, wants us to worship in spirit and truth. We should be honest about who we are and we should live authentic lives. Even 
the crap in our lives. Yeah. And I think that idea of honesty, uh, it just, it, it's, what do you, what do you think you're doing (laughs) when you're in this worship experience with God? Like, are you just here to, you know, crossing your fingers, hoping, like the the question is, is what do you think you're going to get out of worship? Are you going saying, man, don't get me wrong. I get super excited when I see the set list (laughs) for the weekend because there are songs that I love and songs that I just connect with and that resonate with me really well. But man, how many times do I actually stop and think I'm in a moment where I'm not just surrounded by hundreds of people in a room, but I'm actually surrounded. I'm, I'm in the presence of God. I'm in a place where I have an audience with the King. Mm. I'm I'm in this moment where I have a plate. This is, you know, we talk about church oftentimes as like a hospital for the broken. This is me going to the hospital and opening myself up and allowing God to go in and do whatever type of work or anything inside of me that he wants to do. And until I approach not just musical worship, but life that way, I think we miss so many opportunities to do that. I think it's the reason why some people connect really well with musical worship and others don't. Um, I don't think that there's, I don't know, I might be wrong in this. And if I'm, if I am, I mean, I think we're all worship people in this room. So I don't know if you could really speak into this or not, but like I meet people sometimes who are like, oh, I'm just not a, a, a worship guy. I had somebody ask me one time, are you a worship guy? And I'm like, yeah, because, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I've seen both sides. It's like there's, there's, you've got one side that's, um, I am, worship is the way I engage with God. This is the thing that I do. This is the only thing that really makes me connect with God. And to those people, I want to say, no, that's not. There's got to be something. There are other ways. You just, you're like me. You just don't want to do those other things. Like the This is the most fun one for you or the easiest to engage The most convenient because you drive the place, everything's there for us. Like we have the band, we have the music, we have the lyrics on the screen. We don't have to remember a thing. All we have to do is, Sing and raise our hands, and God, I'm sacrificing everything to you. This is my worship, and then we leave. And uh, what do we do afterwards? Like, there's, there's really, there's no discipline. Um, there's, ve- well, I would say for me, someone who it's easy for, there is no discipline that I put into sun, like worship on Sunday morning mm-hmm. on the weekend. But then there are the other areas of worship that go beyond the Sunday morning experience that do require discipline getting up early and allowing the first thing we do to be a dre- like spending time in God's presence, you know, on your knees, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever it is, just getting into his word, setting, these are the things that take true discipline. And that's, that's where it, that's where it, I struggle personally. Yeah. And I see it kind of play out in every aspect of life. I, I'm pretty sure that the title of this episode, when it comes out, is going to be worship that hurts. Mm. Um, And this was actually an idea that came around a while ago because, um, you know, Morgan, we're married and we live together. And so there are like things that have to go, have to get done around the house. And I remember one day I was sweeping and you know, like when you're sweeping and there's like that one thing that won't come up and it's just like annoying. And I don't know, I think it's just, it created this moment where stuff was like boiling over to me and I'm like, you know what, just forget it. I'm just going to leave that thing there and whatever. And then I like circled back and I started sweeping again. I know this just stick with me. (laughs) Uh, and I started sweeping again. I'm like, why does this matter so much? And I was like, "I'm, I'm doing this because it matters to Morgan. Like I know me cleaning this cleaning up right now sweeping right now is a service to her and i was like well why does that matter so much because this is an act of worship towards god 
Um, and so what are those other things? I know that was like a really big leap and nobody else probably has those existential crisis while, <laughs> while sweeping the floor. But it's like, man, what aspects of my life, what areas of my life can I give a little bit more? Be it to my spouse, your family, your friends, the person on the street you've never met before. I think it's a mind shift thing. Like we have to start to see the things that that in in our lives that we can I, okay, so I wrote it down earlier. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. You're um, good. Uh, so no one has to learn how to worship, right? Even before they're a Christian, we are always worshiping something. Mm. We are always doing something to where our attention, all our thoughts, all our motivation is shifted towards something. But the moment we become to we come to a, like this knowledge and the saving knowledge of Christ, then um, we go into this process sanctification where our all these the way where we were shifting our worship towards something we now are trying to shift our countenance our gaze our worship to Jesus and so we realize that these tasks like sweeping so that Morgan feels loved and cared for and mm-hmm. it's like my husband these things matter to him they matter to you because they matter to her. And because of that, that is worship. We can, the longer, the I'm sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. <laughs> but as we progress through our Christian life, we see that the tasks that we do in our life, when they are for other people and when they actually matter, they can be viewed through the lens of worship. I love that. As we, you know, when you make, when you have a family and you make dinner for your family, you're providing for them and you're like, God, thank you for providing this and thank you for giving me the ability to do this so that I can provide for my family. We can view that through the lens of worship. All these minute tasks, we just need to shift our mindset. How can I do this in an act of worship? And isn't God? that a beautiful image of just how much Christ redeems everything? Yeah. Oh, dude, yes. That's that, good. like something that should be an annoying inconvenience. Mm. bro you're with the right mindset can actually become an act of worship you're killing me right now so like so i'll get a little transparent here with my marriage um my one of my jobs at the house that i uh don't always get around to doing uh <laughs> is simply to take out the trash and it's, the worst. Ter- it's dude it's like the easiest thing to do but it's also the easiest thing to forget to we do. have valet trash where oh, we live do you still live in an apartment we still live in an apartment come through we're right. moving and, out soon and it's, just opening up. it's still <laughs> just leave your stuff outside our door <laughs> it's easier harder. this way <laughs> <laughs> like dry it's still a difficult task and someone comes to our door and picks it up but getting it from inside to outside so we feel your pain yeah i like there will be times where my wife will remind me to take out the trash. And I'm always like, you don't have to remind me to do that. I know it's my job. And I always forget. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah. been great conversation i feel like i've been kind of quiet and just kind of soaking in a lot of it um and i'm always the person that wants to get to the practical applications because i, I want to put whatever we're talking about into practice it's worship <laughs> end of the episode <laughs> there we go uh so from my practical mind to tommy your artistic mind what do you hope changes as a result of 
I mean, ultimately, people listening to this podcast, that feels like a a lot for us to be like, oh, we put out a podcast and like people's hearts are changed. But I mean, that is our prayer that this would spark something. So what is that thing that you hope would change for the person participating in worship on a Sunday and even like the person leading worship on a Sunday? Um, so to the person participating in worship on the weekend, uh, I think it is important for us to, because at some point we're all participating whether you're leading or you're in the, or that you're in the seats or you're the guy preparing to bring the message hopefully you're you're participating in some some way um the thing i think we should start to think about is how does the musical portion of worship on sunday morning serve the rest of our week how do we continue the song how do we take these lyrics that we're singing these four minute sermons put to music and how do we apply them to our lives? Like you were talking about it earlier, Aaron. I can't remember if it was part of the recording of this podcast or it was a conversation between when you were talking about that song, Build My Life. And I love what you said, um, how we're declaring this thing we're going to do. Really, we're singing these words that have been written by some songwriter, but that songwriter was really tricky and really clever in the way it was written because he's saying that not only am I going to sing these songs for you, Jesus, but I'm going to do this thing for you as well. Beyond Sunday morning, I will build my life upon your love and I will love those around me. And that's worship. And uh, I have never really thought of that song in that way as a challenge to take it one step further. And to the worship leader, I guess I would say similar, like the same kind of thing, but allow yourselves to point out the parts of the songs that you're singing, that you're leading people in, that they can take things away from. Give these songs hands and feet. Allow people to live these songs in such a way. Give them tools to be able to take the worship, take these songs outside of the four walls of the church building into their homes into their schools their workplaces wherever it might be um so that like there's another song that we sing called yes i will i mean it says yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name when my heart is heavy uh this song in particular gives people a frame of mind to be able to love god well in the midst of hard times in the midst of struggles when things just suck you know um i'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here but we tend to view god through the lens of our circumstance our circumstances and we tend to worship based on how good life is mm. help people see that no matter how bad you may view life or how good you may view life it does not change how good god is to us allow your leadership as a worship leader to help people see God's goodness in all seasons of life. That's good. That's good, man. There's, <laughs> there's so many different places that we could go from there. Cause there was, there was a lot there, but uh, we're going to leave it there and let, um, let the person listening unpack that. And I hope, um, not just for our analytic value, but I hope that you take time and you go back and you listen to this again and that you actually do process it and that you come back to it. Um, because yeah, there's just, there's so much there. And, um, 
it's easy to fall back into the rut, isn't it? It's so easy yeah. to to get back in the routine of. I hope they play my favorite song, mm-hmm. and I hope you know. I hope I'm prepared to hear this message. Yeah. Right. I hope that this message really speaks to me. I hope the me- the songs really get me to where I need to be instead of allowing the songs to be a response to what we already know that God has done. Like yeah. you read out of Romans earlier. Yeah. I love what, uh, I think it was Francis Chan. He, one time when he was, when he still had his church in California, uh, somebody came up to him and was like, I didn't like that song that we sang during worship. And he was like, that's okay. Cause we weren't singing to you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I heard that recently, actually. It's so savage, that's man, true. but I love it. Right. It was I like, what it. are you, what are you here for? What are you showing up for? Who do you, you know, mm-hmm. do you think we're putting this set list together with you in mind? No, we're, we're singing songs to our God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. Tommy, thanks so much, man. My it's pleasure. Been, bro. Yeah. It's been tremendous. Uh, so we actually have, a little extra something. You brought your uh, your fancy guitar here with you. My git fiddle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think as much as you have um, a gift and talent and just ability to uh, to lead worship from a uh, a musical standpoint, um, I think there's also just a, a, a giftedness that God has given you to um, invite people into spaces and and have them kind of explore this idea. And what I love about you is you, you, we talked about this. I think this definitely was off, you know, air, but, um, uh, I know this is when you were talking about the, the, the preaching in between oh, yeah. the songs part, <laughs> but you're actually, when you write songs, you, you think, how can I incorporate that into the lyrics, that kind of preaching moment? Am I right? Am I, am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, no, you're right. And most of the songs that kind of approach the, the songs that I have that I've written that I've approached them that way, I haven't released yet. So yeah, most yeah. the songs that I have out don't really do that very well, <laughs> but the ones that I haven't do that much more. And this is the one that I'm going to share with, with you guys. It's called, uh, when I'm at my worst. Awesome. You've seen me in my struggle You've seen me at my worst You've seen me lift my hands When all they've done is hurt You've seen me bless your name With the tongue I used to curse But you love me, yes you love me Even when I'm at my worst You're with me in the darkness You're with me in the light You're with me in the battle When I fight a losing fight You're with me in the desert When there's just no end in sight And you love me, yes you love me In the darkness and the light silent you hear me when I speak you hear me when I lose my mind when I just can't seem to think 
You hear me when I'm angry And you hear me when I'm weak But you love me Yes, you love me God, you love me when I'm weak Sometimes I wanna say To hell with this life You can keep your cross, it's too heavy anyway But at the end of the day When I close my eyes I wouldn't change a thing or have it any other way struggle you've seen me at my worst you've seen me lift my hands when all they've done is hurt and you've seen me bless your name with the tongue I used to curse but you love me yes you love me even when I'm at my worst 